Welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. Thanks for connecting with us. To discover more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz. May this message be an encouragement to you. Good evening, church. It is a delight to be able to share with you again this evening as we conclude our series, Now But Not Yet. Last week in our first message, we looked at the idea that as followers of Jesus, we live in a holy tension. This tension comes from the fact that even though we believe that Jesus has come and broken into our present to start a work of the kingdom of God here on earth, the fullness of that reality cannot be fully realized this side of eternity while we live in a fallen and broken world. So as long as you and I are here on earth or until Jesus comes, as Christians, we will live in a now but not yet time. We hold the responsibility of being faithful and stewarding the people and the circumstances God has called us to now. But we are also to live in the light of a future hope given to us through the person and the work of Jesus by taking advantage of this divine delay and joining God in his redemptive purposes to bring light and hope to a world that needs it. And we ask the questions, what does discipleship look like in the now but not yet seasons of our life? What does servanthood, leadership, and resilience look like? How do we build godly character to navigate the now while anticipating the not yet? To frame these questions, we started by looking at the life of Joshua who, after the death of Moses, was called on by God to lead his people across the Jordan River and take possession of the promised land after 40 years of wandering in the desert. Joshua spent the first 20 years of his life as a slave in Egypt and the next 40 years wandering the desert. But out of the original two million adult Hebrews who left Egypt with the possibility of realizing the fullness of the promised land, only Joshua and Caleb realized that opportunity. Today, God offers us the same opportunity, not to have life, but life in abundance, to be set from our Egypt and to live as the redeemed and transformed people that he has called us to be. But the problem is, is that we all have the opportunity, but only a handful of us realize that opportunity. And if there's only going to be a few, if there's only going to be a handful, then why not those people be us? There were five principles that we drew out of Joshua's life in the wilderness that are true of people who are going to go all the way with God and successfully navigate the now but not yet seasons of their life. And if you and I can stamp them on our hearts, it will assist us in our journey. The principles are, Joshua served in obscurity, Joshua sought the presence of God, Joshua let go of the past, Joshua had courageous faith, and Joshua obeyed immediately. 
We looked at the first two principles last week, and very briefly to recap, Joshua served in obscurity. Joshua was one who thrived in hidden places, and he was content to be a servant of Moses because he understood the power of allowing God to build you up when no one else is looking. Joshua didn't waste or lament the now but not yet season of his life while he was in the wilderness. And in doing so, he gave God the time and the space to build character, resilience, and persistence within Joshua that would prepare him to lead his people into the promised land. Every act of our obedience is a seed planted in the kingdom of God, and we have to believe that that seed planted will become a greater harvest than we could ever imagine. We have to be okay with the fact that anonymity may be the price of our obedience and be patient and wait on God for his timing and his call. Secondly, Joshua sought the presence of God. What we saw when we looked at Joshua and studied the habits and the proclivities that defined him was that Joshua decided very early on that being in and following the presence of God would be a ballast of his life. He had a hunger and a passion for the presence of God, and he was prepared to linger longer in the tabernacle in order to encounter God's presence. As individuals and as a faith community, we have to be willing to linger longer in God's presence, even if it's uncomfortable, inconvenient, or it costs us something, because it is only in his presence that we experience the grace and the transformation all of us need. Then we need to go from that place and propagate the move of God so that others can come and be blessed by his presence. This week, we're going to finish this series by looking at the final three principles. Thirdly, Joshua let go of the past. The book of Joshua begins with these words. Now it happened after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise to take his place. Cross over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land which I am giving you them, giving to them, to the sons of Israel." Joshua lived his life in a shadow, not of disappointment or failure, but of a remarkable personality, his predecessor, Moses. In the opening chapter of the book, Joshua is confronted by God with these words, Moses, my servant, is dead. God was saying to Joshua, Joshua, first get a hold of this your predecessor, and everything that you have known and anything that may have been intimidating to you in your past is dead. This chapter is closed and it will not be reopened. God wasn't making a negative statement about Moses. God was just acknowledging a fact. Moses was dead. Why? Because even for an outstanding leader like Joshua, 
Coming behind a towering giant like Moses could be daunting. And God knew that in order for Joshua to lay hold of the tomorrow that God had for him, he needed an affirmation of his identity that the past is over and his future is before him. Having spent over half of his life as a servant, Joshua must have felt that Moses was inimitable and irreplaceable. Remember, Moses was the one who answered the call of God to free his people from Egypt. He was the one that had challenged Pharaoh and led two million men, women, and children straight through the middle of the Red Sea on dry ground. Moses was the one who had received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, and he was the one who spoke panem el panem, face to face with God. Can you imagine the weight of that responsibility? The pressure Joshua must have felt to live up to a standard that high. And not only that, God was asking him to do something that even Moses couldn't do, lead the people into the promised land. Humanly speaking, a weight that heavy would crush Joshua, and God knew this. Joshua was standing at the center of one of the most pivotal parts of his people's history. He was the next chapter of an unfinished story that began with the patriarchs and was going to live or die with Joshua. So in order to take hold of this new season, Joshua was going to learn that he had to let go of what had gone before and take hold of what God was saying now. There is little point in staying in a place where God in his wisdom has moved on from. Samuel grieved for a long time for King Saul when God had rejected him as king. Then one day, God comes to Samuel and he says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, How long will you continue to grieve over something I've moved on from? Arise, go, and anoint David as my new chosen king. I believe that we need to hear this word this evening. In order to keep moving in this now but not yet season of our lives, we need to recognize when God has chosen to close a chapter. We cannot afford to stay fixed in the old when God has moved on to the new. Like Joshua, our ability to move ahead and claim the futures that God has for us will be the sum of everything we will hold on to and everything we are willing to let go of. But oftentimes, there is a hesitancy to move with immediate anticipation of what God would do because of the residue in our lives. Jack Hayford says that our past can get stuck on our souls. Whatever has shaped your life up until this moment, words people have spoken over you, missed expectations, the moral and sexual failures of somebody that you looked up to, abuse, or experiences that have been hurtful or disappointing. 
Can I tell you that God in his redemptive plan has the ability to take the pain and the hurts of your past and bring redemptive healing so that he will take you from that place and restore the design and the purpose that he has for you? What are you holding on to that God has asked you to let go of? Maybe it's something to do with your children. Unforgiveness, a friend, your schedule, or future plans. Sometimes we can get fastened onto these things and we don't want to let go. Maybe because it's comfortable and it's familiar and it's what we've always known. But you cannot grab hold of what Jesus has for you if your hands are full. God ordains times and seasons, and Moses' time had ended. Moses represented Joshua's past. Moses was all that Joshua had known. Moses was familiar. And that too needed to be surrendered by Joshua. Perhaps God is asking you to let go because he has something better for you than what you are holding to. C.S. Lewis puts it like this, there are far better things ahead than anything we leave behind. To access all that God has for us in our future, we need to leave the past behind or we will forever be held back by what was. Joshua had to overcome the past and the familiar and the dead to accept the baton God was holding for him, to enter into the life God had for him, and we need to do the same. But the wonderful thing about God is that when he gives us a command to do something like this, he doesn't leave us to work it out by ourselves. In verse 5, God says, Just as I was present with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not fail you or abandon you. God was with Joshua, and he makes this abundantly clear. This is God saying to Joshua, Do you remember how much I was with Moses when you watched us in the tabernacle? When Moses was chatting to me on the mountain, do you remember how close we were when I gave Moses instruction to the people and when I did all those miracles? I'm going to do the same with you. God disconnects the connection with Moses as Joshua's source of strength and, reconnect and reconfirms his covenant with Joshua that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. God knows your past, he's in your present, and he knows your future, and he knows what he's doing. Just as it was with Joshua, God's design for your life is unique and tailor-made, designed intricately, and if you allow him, the Holy Spirit is willing and waiting to help you let go of everything that would stop you from realizing what God has for you. Four, Joshua had courageous faith. The fourth principle we need to learn from the spirit of Joshua is that he was courageous. 
Chapter 1, verse 9, God says to Joshua, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or dismayed or intimidated. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God knew that in order for Joshua to possess the promised land, he was going to need courageous faith. There were giants in that land. There were entire cities that needed to be defeated. There would be violence, rebellion, and opposition, and a whole other host of problems waiting for them on the other side of the Jordan River. There were a million reasons for Joshua to be afraid, but God needed Joshua to believe that he would do what he had said he would do, and he needed Joshua to step out in faith. You see, God had already promised the children of Israel that they would possess the promised land. In fact, he had made that promise over 500 years before to Abraham when he told Abraham that he would be a father of nations and that his descendants would make great nations. Now God was telling Joshua to go and take what God already had stored up for them. And this is still how God works in our lives. Sometimes we can miss out on what God has for us because we're waiting for God to do something he's already done. And he's waiting for us to play our part. God's promises to us through his word have already been given. And we must take possession of those promises And sometimes it requires courageous faith. Joshua's courageous faith to step into the unknown paved the way for the children of Israel to realize their God-given promise. Like Joshua, we have to possess in faith what we cannot perceive with sight. Sight tells us that this river is impassable. It's too dangerous. The giants are too big, and you are not strong enough. What if I make a wrong decision? What if I didn't hear God properly? What if I make a mistake? But courageous faith means, like Joseph, we cling to our dreams that God has planted in our hearts while we are still in prison. Courageous faith means like Daniel, you determine in your heart not to give in to the culture around you that is pressuring you to conform. Courageous faith means like Esther, we stand up for those who cannot stand up for themselves, even at the risk of our own life. Courageous faith means like Noah, we build an ark while still in drought, believing that God will make it rain. Courageous faith is not passivity. It is our physical response to God's word, our agreement with heaven that releases his power into our situations. But we have to move. Think about the story of the paralytic man who was let down through the roof of the house by his friends where Jesus was ministering. Jesus gives him a word that contains both a promise and a command. Get up, take your mat, and go home. The man has to take action in that moment, believing Jesus to do the impossible. He hears the promise, 
chooses his response, and he activates muscles that he hasn't used for years, and then the miracle happens. Any time God wants us to take new ground for his kingdom, it will require great courage. It will require us to take risks. We have to be prepared to push back against the kingdoms of darkness that would seek to claim territory in our lives. That addiction that has taken root, pornography, alcohol, whatever it is, that has controlled you for too long, you say, I believe that God has promised in Galatians chapter five, verse one, it was for this freedom that Christ has set me free, completely liberating me. Therefore, I will stand firm and won't be subject to the yoke of slavery which Christ has removed. And I believe that I can do better today than I did yesterday. Satan You have taken too much of my joy and my peace, and I'm going to have courageous faith, knowing that Psalm 30 promises me, even though I weep throughout the night, joy will come in the morning, and I'm going to take this territory back. We stand up for our families, our children, and we say with courageous faith, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. Many of us know where God wants us to move and the ground that we are to take, but we are standing on the edge of Canaan and the giants seem really, really big. As we come against the things of darkness, it will require courageous faith. There will be opposition. There will be hostility and challenges. But over and over and over again, God has proven That not only is he big enough and faithful enough and loving enough and merciful enough and gracious enough, but that he is present enough. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I want to encourage you this evening that our God will never leave you He will never forsake you, and he will be with you wherever he has called you to go. There are people and circumstances over here that are relying on your courageous faith here. Have courageous faith. Because in this now but not yet season, we desperately need courageous disciples who live and move with a greater confidence Not because we have supernatural faith or a false hope, but because we are filled with a supernatural power. Let us be disciples who are influenced and directed and led by the Holy Spirit with eyes set on the kingdom of God in everything that we do. This leads me to my final principle that defined the spirit of Joshua in the now but not yet. Joshua obeyed immediately. So Moses has died and Joshua has taken on the mantle of leadership. The Israelites are standing on the edge of the promised land and the only thing standing before them and everything that they have been waiting for for 40 years is the Jordan River. 
In Joshua chapter one, God gives Joshua very clear instructions on what he is to do in entering the promised land. We read, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. God has clearly commanded Joshua and told him what he needs to do. Follow my instructions and you will successfully and safely cross the Jordan River and enter into the promised land. So what does Joshua do? We get to chapter three and we read, then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. God gives Joshua some instructions. He gives him a clear directive on what he is supposed to do. And we find Joshua rising early to act immediately in obedience to God. I want to encourage you this evening that if we are going to have a Joshua spirit, if we are going to take hold of everything that God has for us in this in-between time, then we need to be serious about acting immediately in obedience to God. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Psalm 119 verse 32 says, I will quickly obey your commands. And later on in verse 60 it says, Without delay I hurry to obey your commands because you have made me happy. Some of us here this evening have felt a stirring in our spirit about something that God is calling us to. A certain cause, a people group, a change in direction. You have felt a stirring and you know God was telling you to get involved, commissioning you to move. Would you act immediately in obedience to God? Maybe for some of us the call has been a little more subtle it involves your own family or friends. Perhaps God, God has told you specifically what you need to do in obedience to him. Can I encourage you? Would you act immediately in obedience to God? Whether it's being the one to apologize first, whether it's the one to keep pursuing that friendship, whether it's the one to be the one to start that connect group, to start that fellowship. Whether you feel timid about what God has asked you to do, let's have a Joshua spirit that acts immediately, regardless of the way that we feel. Unlike you and me, God sees everything at once and is strategically working to accomplish his plan. And sometimes all he needs is for us to act immediately in obedience to what he has asked, trusting that there is a reason for his request. It's the same with building our courageous faith. 
You have no idea that your decision to be obedient here doesn't set off a chain of events in the kingdom of God that leads to breakthrough here. Joshua's response was so different to Moses. If you remember, when Moses got the call in Exodus chapter 3, he had every excuse in the book. God tells him, you're going to lead my people. But Moses says, who am I that I should do that? God says, it doesn't matter who you are. Tell them, I am. Moses said, what if they don't believe me? And God said, what is that in your hand? I'll use what is in your hand. Moses said, I don't speak that well. God said, I can deal with that too. I have prepared your brother Aaron. Moses had excuse after excuse, but when God told Joshua to lead two million people across the Jordan, he didn't waste time with excuses. He got busy acting immediately in obedience to God. Scriptures are full of the marvelous activity of God in the morning. It was early in the morning that Abraham rose with his son Isaac to go to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him to the Lord. It was early in the morning that David left for the battlefield where he would defeat Goliath. And it was early in the morning that the women visited the tomb of Jesus and found that he had risen from the dead. There are some miraculous things that can happen when you and I get on board early. Not just in our day, but early in our decision making. Early in working out what our priorities will be working out what God has asked us to do first. Musicians, can I invite you to join me? Joshua served in obscurity. He sought the presence of God. He had courageous faith. He let go of the past and he obeyed immediately. These principles we see modeled throughout Joshua's life are characteristics of a man who navigated the now but not yet with integrity, humility, and a not my will but yours be done attitude to the situations around him. If you're here this evening and you feel like you haven't been navigating the now very well recently, Life is overwhelming you, and you can't even think about the not yet because you're trying to focus on the now, and you feel like you're sinking. Perhaps you feel that your past is too broken for God to have any pieces to rebuild his purposes. Or you're just tired. You've been journeying this faith thing for a long time, and you're not sure that you have enough resilience or stamina to go into the next season that God has for you. The enemy is going to tell us that we are running out of time, that our past disqualifies us from the plans of God, and that God didn't really promise that. Can I remind you that our God created time and space? He is the one that ordains times and seasons. And if he has said that he is not finished with you yet, then he is not finished with you yet. You are not too old or too young or too broken 
for God to use your now for the glory of the not yet. So I want to encourage us this evening to choose each day to focus on God and the promises he has for us. We embrace the little things, give thanks for all things, and cherish this opportunity to walk through this now together. We faithfully steward the people and the gifts God has entrusted to us while protecting our distinctive kingdom character in order to demonstrate to a lost world Jesus and what he came to do for each and every one of us on the cross. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz.